welcome everybody to this uh, week's episode of I Don't Care with me, Kevin Stevenson. Uh, always excited to have you uh, listening to the podcast every uh, Friday morning on Market Scale Radio, 9.30 a.m. Central Time. Uh, and as you know, it's always posted pretty soon thereafter on uh, on iTunes and Spotify. So, you know, as I always say, if you haven't subscribed by now, why not? So, but we've got a really interesting guest today, uh, Patty Padmanabhan, pa- Padmanabhan, sorry, Patty, uh, who is the founder and CEO of uh, Demo Consulting. Uh, Patty and I will be talking about uh, digital transformation uh, you know, as we've mentioned on a couple of podcasts previously, talking about the changes that COVID have, has has really accelerated uh, in uh, the area of IT, certainly telehealth and all of that. So, you know, I'll shut up and uh, turn it over. Patty, welcome to I Don't Care. Thank you, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, it's great to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about your consulting firm. Sure. I started my firm in 2014 after uh, after working in a couple of startups that went through exits. And prior to that, I was a I was a consultant with Accenture. That was my last corporate job. My firm works in the digital transformation space, so we are a digital transformation advisory firm, and our clients are large health systems that are. Uh, implementing multi-year digital transformation roadmaps. So we help them with their uh, digital strategy, with developing roadmaps, helping prioritize the initiatives, build a business case for that, and help them most importantly with their technology architecture and their technology choices. And so, as you can imagine, digital transformation is, as the name implies, technology enabled. And so the technology is a big part of it. We we help our clients uh, sort through all of their choices uh, and help them select technology partners, help them with their uh, technology strategy and uh, accelerate the transformation journey for them. That's what we're Okay, doing. very good. And, and Patty was sharing with me before we began recording is he has uh, uh, written uh, well over a hundred pieces for uh, uh, CIO Magazine, Healthcare IT. He's written a couple of books and I'll let, I'll let him plug those at the end, of course, but uh, but Patty, uh, speaking of, of your uh, your work in uh, CIO, you uh, you wrote an article back in March uh, detailing some of your conversations with the uh, the CIO at, at Geisinger. Uh, this was early on in COVID, and so you know things have certainly changed since then. But I'd like to really you know focus a lot on that because I think those topics really resonate with with what I see in my hospital and in our system. And, and in talking with other colleagues as well. So, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, really that uprising of virtual care and, and, and increasing that, that capability. Because this is, you know, we, we, we've thought about this, we've tried this, uh, a lot of people have, have stepped away from it, but I think COVID has really uh, impressed upon all of us that, that, you know, technology is a great thing in healthcare. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you'll indulge me, you know, you, you mentioned my books and my publications. I want, to, I want to share a little bit of an anecdote and a backstory on my recent book, which is Healthcare Digital Transformation. And you'll see how it connects to what we're going through in a, in a, in a COVID-19 era, if you will. I started writing the book along with my co-author, Ed Marks, 
in the middle of 2019, and we had actually completed our manuscript and we had submitted it to our publishers in February of this year. And then the pandemic struck. And what we did was we paused the release of the book and we told our publisher that we wanted to take a couple of months to go back to the market, mm -hmm. understand how COVID-19 was impacting the pace of digital transformation and uh, possibly update some chapters in the book. As it turned out, we did update several chapters in the book based on what we were seeing in the immediate wake of the pandemic. And we also changed the title of the book. So eventually the title that we gave to the book was Healthcare Digital Transformation, How Consumerism, Technology and Pandemic are Accelerating the Future. The pre-pandemic version of our book to the post-pandemic version of the book is a metaphor for what many health systems went through. So there was a pre-pandemic era when uh, most health systems were coming along in the digital transformation journey, specifically the telehealth and the virtual care aspects of digital transformation. And then the pandemic hit and in March, everything changed. And what, uh, what used to be maybe 20 visits a week suddenly became you know, a couple thousand visits a week through telehealth. And what that meant was a complete paradigm shift in the way health systems had to look at how they were going to deliver care to their patients. So first and foremost, you had to have a telehealth capability, mm -hmm. but the tool itself isn't enough. So you had to have the a playbook for conducting your telehealth visits. You had to train your caregivers. You had to train your patients in many cases because they were not ready to, right. to absorb uh, telehealth modality as well. Mm -hmm. So this is what we saw in the immediate wake of the pandemic. And I'll tell you one example of a, of a health system that we worked with in New York City. They didn't even have a telehealth platform. So over a single weekend in March, they implemented a telehealth platform. They went out to the nearest Best Buy, bought a bunch of iPads and other tablet devices, gave it to their contact center agents and set them up so they could Schedule appointments, right? And this was the immediate wake of the pandemic. And now nine months in, we've seen some changes. We saw that the, that the spike in telehealth visits kind of pulled, pulled back a little bit in the summer as people started going back into the hospitals for in-person care. But now we are seeing that, again, people are pulling back from in-person visits because we're seeing a national surge in cases. Right. And so telehealth visits are going up again. The, we don't know where the equilibrium is going to be. One thing is for sure, there is a certain permanent shift towards virtual care models that is here to stay. And depending upon the hospitals that you talk to, it can be 20% of all ambulatory visits or more or less, depending upon what kind of population you serve. But a certain percentage is going to shift. And that I think is going to be the big change and a shift that healthcare is going to experience. And then there's a lot of other things surrounding that and all the modalities of care that you have to prepare for and you have to prepare your patients and caregivers for. And that is the, that is the subject of all of the work that we do. And you mentioned Geisinger, and that's, uh, that's one of the health systems that we've been working with. And they have continued to invest in their digital transformation. They were impacted by the pandemic like everybody else, mm -hmm. but to their credit, they stayed focused on their digital programs and they're continuing on their journey. I actually talked about that in the Chime Digital Forum 
uh, you can actually go see the video as well where we talk about all of the uh, changes that that took place so that's a little bit of context and that's what in in short is what we've seen in the last eight months interesting yeah you know and, and you touched on something that that i that i agree with yeah it really it, it's almost it's, it's really market specific because you know you look at a population you know, like ours here in Central Texas, a little bit older, uh, a little bit less tech savvy, uh, a broad geographic area. So, you know, there, there's kind of a, there's kind of a dichotomy there. You know, you, you've got, we have patients that we see from well over hundred miles away, but many of those are, you know, they're, they're farmers, they're, they're rural folks, and they like to see the doctor in person. They're not really a, a big fan of, of the telehealth aspect when it would actually probably benefit them to, to utilize that. Uh, you know, uh, then you look at a, at a market like Austin, uh, high tech, much younger, you know, uh, the, the younger population doesn't want to waste time. They want to be able to get on, uh, get off of a telehealth visit very quickly. And so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge piece of this. So, so let's talk a little bit more about, about some of the things, you know, again, really interested in, in, you know, your discussions with Geisinger and some of your other, uh, some of your other uh, uh, clients. So uh, what about, you know, and, and we talked a little bit about, you know, the, just the telehealth aspect. That's something that, you know, here in the state of Texas, we are really just now uh, seeing some uh, regulatory uh, uh, easing uh, on telehealth because uh, I, was, I was in a, a system, a rural, more rural system in outstate Nebraska many years ago, and we were a huge telehealth hub because it made sense. Uh, we had the, the specialist uh, bandwidth there locally, uh, but we had a, a, a catchment area the size of the state of Indiana. And so uh, let's talk a little bit more about that. What are you seeing, you know, what are you seeing really driving more of, of that of that more acceptance of telehealth uh, outside of what I've mentioned. One thing we need to acknowledge, Kevin, is that uh, telehealth is not a one size fits all. It's not a simple matter of turning on a video consult platform and expect that people are going to flock towards it. Mm -hmm. There are uh, many, many differences in how a telehealth program can be made effective or what it takes to make a telehealth program effective. And the differences can be differences in uh, whether these are rural versus urban populations. The differences can be in the demographic profile. So what may work for elder care may not be what works for pediatrics, mm -hmm. as an example. And there are also differences on, depending upon the type of care. What may work for behavioral health may not work for cancer care. Mm -hmm. So. We have to recognize all of this and then layer on top of it all of the enablers. What is the kind of playbook you need to have to enable the, the virtual care modalities that you talked about? You talked about rural communities and farmers, people who don't want to use video, may not be in a position to use video. Maybe they don't have smartphone devices. Mm -hmm. And we're not just talking about rural populations. These could be inner city populations, low income yes. communities. Sure. And these kinds of communities don't have access to the, uh, not just uh, the smartphone devices, but they may also not have access to 
reliable broadband uh, access to internet as an example and so you know one of the one of the good things that has come out of this is that the fcc did a, a telehealth covid-19 telehealth grant program and they gave away about 200 million dollars to a variety of programs across the country the average size of the grant was somewhere between half a million and a million dollars and these were meant to serve these vulnerable populations and providing them with maybe subsidized devices providing them with data plans and bandwidth access and so on so we have to remember that there is a not only is in there a one size fits all when it comes to telehealth but there is also a distinct digital divide that we need to acknowledge when it comes to certain populations and we have to recognize that everybody has to have access to the same kinds of care mm-hmm. and so health systems that serve different communities and different population groups and different specialties are now recognizing that you have to design for your population and that is i think where we are going to head in the next phase of telehealth we've gone away now we're moving away from a cookie cutter approach if you will and we are now custom designing these solutions based on the populations that you serve otherwise you're not going to be effectively able to effectively serve your populations and then the promise of telehealth is not going to get realized yeah you're you're exactly right and, and my friends in education we have very similar discussions about you know access obviously broad uh, certainly broadband device access and all of that so you know this certainly uh extends across many industries so you know one thing that that um really is an offshoot of the the increased utilization of virtual visits telehealth whatever uh is the the issues with cybersecurity let's talk a little bit about that Yeah, you know, I know you mentioned that yeah. that that will certainly rise in the short term and that you know honestly it could be a long-term issue. Well, one thing we have to we we have all experienced in the wake of the pandemic is a sudden shift from on-campus workforces to remote workforces. Mm-hmm. And there and those workforces include clinicians as well as non-clinicians, caregivers as well as administrative staff. Right? and so overnight you when you go to uh 30,000 individuals in a health system like guys in there that are suddenly working remotely you've just increased the number of points of vulnerability from a cybersecurity standpoint mm-hmm. and we have seen instances i'm not talking about guys in particular but we've seen instances across the country of health systems being targeted because of their vulnerabilities and historically health systems have been vulnerable for a variety of reasons they've underinvested in technology it's been easier to find back doors through business associates who are connected to your back end infrastructure and a variety of other loopholes that cyber criminals have happily taken advantage of uh-huh. and now the scourge of ransomware is also upon us and so that is another thing that uh, health systems are having to deal with is this going to go away no uh, but are we going to be able to stay ahead of it yes with the right kind of investments mm-hmm. with the right kind of education with the right kind of awareness and preparedness i think cybersecurity is something that can be kept at bay but it's a constant uh, battle to stay one step ahead of cyber criminals i was a speaker at a recent conference where the topic was really cybersecurity and what uh, 
what I heard other speakers talk about is very, very troubling in terms of the sort of vulnerabilities and exposures that we now are faced with and the, the manner in which uh, cybercrime is now becoming an organized business. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is something that we have to be cognizant of. But uh, it doesn't mean that we shut down and we withdraw into ourselves because the shift towards remote work is as much a reality as the shift towards remote care. Exactly. And so you're going to have, uh, you're going to just have to deal with this as a reality and make the right kinds of investments and stay ahead of the game. Okay. Now, uh, I appreciate that. That's, that's a good word there. Well, and, and as we've all evolved, you know, obviously more rapidly during this, the last uh, 10, 11 months, uh, yeah, many, many healthcare facilities really have no clue about, you know, what, what sort of, what they really, what their needs are. So give, give the listeners a little bit of, uh, a little bit of inside baseball, a little bit of guidance on how do you pick the right technology partner? This is a great question. Uh, this is this goes to the heart of what we do as a firm and what I do for my clients. Well, first of all, I'd say don't start with the technology. Start with a business problem. Mm -hmm. So you really want to understand what problem it is you're trying to solve. Are you trying to solve an access problem? And everybody's trying to solve an access problem mm -hmm. today. So let's take access as an example. If you're trying to solve for access problems, what specific aspects of access are you trying to solve for? Is it that uh, your referrals are not coming through as efficiently or as seamlessly as they should, as an example? Or is it that your patients and your consumers are not able to find the information online that they're looking for and they're not able to schedule their appointments through an online tool? Is it that your contact centers are working with bad information about your provider uh, in your provider directory. What is it that they're working with? And you need to have a really good understanding of the baseline before you start looking at technology solutions. And when it comes to technology solutions, this is where we come in. We help our clients sort through their technology architecture choices. How are you going to solve for this problem? Mm -hmm. And then you go to which partner is going to help you solve the problem and which technology tool are you going to select. In my firm, we track uh, in the digital health space, we track over 100 different technology firms and the kind of work that they're doing, the kind of offerings that they have. And I'm personally connected with most of them. Mm -hmm. So when, our, when any of our health systems clients come to us and they want to quickly get to some choices and alternatives and quickly implement solutions, we can actually get them quickly to their solutions because we have seen the same problems in other health systems. Sure. So we know the technology architecture choices to work with. And we also know the best in class solution providers and tool providers out there. And we can quickly draw up a short list and help you run an evaluation process and help you get the best, best fit for your enterprise. But I go back to what I said in the beginning, that don't start with the technology, start with the business problem. Sure. Otherwise, you could be spending a lot of money on the technology and it won't solve for your needs. And not only have you wasted resources, you're going to increase dissatisfaction if you don't get it right. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. 
Well, and just the, the few minutes that we have left, uh, what kind of host would I be if I didn't, you know, encourage you to plug your book, your latest book and your podcast. So talk to us a little bit more about that. Thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. So as I mentioned, uh, my latest book is my second book. Uh, the first book came out in 2017 and it was called The Big Unlock. It was about data and analytics and how that is driving digital transformation in healthcare. The more recent book is actually about healthcare digital transformation. It's subtitled How Consumerism, Technology and Pandemic are Accelerating the Future. The second book, the more recent book, consider it uh, as a guidebook and a handbook for practitioners of digital transformation. Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to firstly have the opportunity to draw from all of the work that we've done for health systems in their digital journeys. But I was also equally fortunate to have a number of healthcare executives offer up their time and share their experiences and their insights. And my co-author and I, between us, we did over 150 interviews. And uh, all the insights from those interviews are in the book. And we've ended each chapter with a set of takeaways and a little, uh, you know, 30-second agile concept. So it's a very hmm. practical, practitioner-oriented guidebook and a handbook, if you will. There is a lot of research also that has gone into the books. My firm does a lot of ongoing research, and the research supports many of the observations. But it's really, at the end of the day, a very practical, usable kind of book. My podcast uh, is titled The Big Unlock. The topic of the podcast uh, uh, is, the, is the title of the podcast is the same as my first book. And what we discuss on the podcast is digital transformation. And so my guests include chief digital officers, chief information officers, and others who are driving digital transformation in their okay. organizations. We are up to about 70 guests now, and I've been, again, very blessed and very fortunate to have uh, the opportunity to talk to the leading practitioners in the field and their very uh, forthcoming with their experiences, and uh, I'd urge you to check it out. Well, that's great. And and you know, wh whenever I check it out, uh, what platform are you on? So we uh, we hosted on SoundCloud, okay. and then uh, and then uh, we distributed through our website, and uh, the podcast is available uh, on all the major podcast okay. platforms, right. Apple and uh, uh, Stitcher and, uh, you know, all of, you know, anywhere you go get your, get your podcast, you can get our podcasts uh, too. So yeah, you can subscribe to it anywhere you get your podcasts. Well, that sounds great. I'll subscribe to yours if you subscribe to mine. How's that? <laughs> I will. I absolutely will. And uh, now I have an even bigger reason. I'm going to be on your podcast. So yeah, I have exactly to subscribe right. to it. That's exactly I have to right. subscribe to it. Yeah. Well, and that's very kind of you, Kevin. Yeah. yeah, I look forward to reading your your book. Uh, it sounds like a, a very practical uh, playbook for everybody, and certainly yeah. somebody like me who is not uh, 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 just the I, IT guru. And so, yeah. uh, well, one thing about the book I want to mention: you can, of course, get it wherever you get your books online or from your regular, you know, sources of books but you can get signed copies on my website. So okay. if you'd like a signed copy, go to my website. You can, you know, you'll find a link to place an order and uh, you get, uh, you get your copy uh, with my signature and a, and a message. That sounds great. Well, Patty Padman Madden, 
Did I? Was that right? I you were really close. Kevin. I was really that close. Was, yeah, you were really close. Uh, uh, thank you, though. Thank you for having me on the show. Hey, it's been a pleasure having you, Patty, and uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon. So, uh, listeners, thanks so much for joining us today on I Don't Care. Uh, as always, we appreciate you, and uh, we'll be uh, talking to you again next week. Have a wonderful week. <laughs>